church today in america can easily resemble especially from the outside looking in probably another product from the savvy marketing to the super large led screens and the smoke machines and the concert level live music not to mention the celebrity of the pastors and the celebrities that attend their churches these things combine to give us an impression and kind of lull us to sleep as to i believe what church and community in the kingdom uh, is really supposed to be viewed as and approached as by Christians. And so today what we're going to talk about is how to avoid making it out to be a product or service or something more akin to what we experience in industry. We're going to be talking about it from the perspective of both the minister and the parishioner. So at the top of this episode, I want to bring in a scripture from the New Testament, and this is really going to help us discuss the contents of this podcast. And if you want to follow along, go ahead and pause the podcast now. Uh, but we're going to be reading from Second Timothy, chapter four, verse three for everyone else who's not following. all, just listen along for the time will come, it says, when they will not endure sound doctrine, but after their own lust, shall they heap to themselves teachers having itching ears and they shall turn away their ears from the truth and shall be turned unto fables. And this is Paul speaking, of course, to his uh, protege. He's speaking to his son in the faith, Timothy, and he's instructing him not only on how to carry the faith as a believer, but he's instructing him on what to expect as a minister of the gospel. And he's telling him to expect the time where people are not going to be able to abide or endure sound doctrine. They're not going to be able to take it. They're not going to tolerate it, as it were. And they're going to heap to themselves teachers who are going to scratch the itch that they have in their ears. They're going to know what they want to hear because their lust are going to inform them. And they're going to heap to themselves teachers that are motivated or that action is going to be motivated by that lust. And so he says they're going to turn their ears away from the truth and they're going to be turned into fables. So I'm talking to everyone in this podcast as the introduction denoted. I'm going to be talking to both uh, Christian ministers and teachers and evangelists and missionaries. But I'm also going to be talking to all of us because whatever your title is, you are a part of the kingdom. You are a parishioner. You are a congregant. This is very, very important in this particular scripture, in this snapshot we see it is the people and not the preacher that is responsible for the death of the sound doctrine. Notice that Paul says that it is the people. They are not going to endure sound doctrine. And after their own lusts, shall they heap to themselves teachers having itch, itching ears. And so there's not that the teacher in this scripture is leading the people astray. This is not a situation where there is some false prophet and he has bewitched or beguiled a bunch of people. And as a result of his enchantment, they no longer want to hear the truth. No, this is a situation where the people themselves have decided because of their own lust that I'm not going to listen to someone who is preaching sound doctrine because I don't want to. And it's going to be more than one person. So this is not a situation where I, as a congregate, I, as a Christian church attendant, 
have to be on the lookout, so to speak, for the pastor who's going to say the wrong thing, the, the preacher who's going to come and they're not preaching sound doctrine. Of course, I need to be on the lookout for that. But in this particular verse, this is a reminder for you and for me that just as well as it can be a false prophet who comes preaching and teaching things that are not biblical, I myself can also be the person who says, I'm not listening to this good, holy, righteous, sound doctrine. And this, says Paul to Timothy, is going to be the reason why the fables abide. This is going to be the reason why the sound doctrine is going to be is going to be declined. It's not he's not saying it's going to be some guy who comes and steals your bishopric. He's not saying some out of towner is going to come and he's going to bewitch the people. He is saying that the people themselves, the demos, the masses are going to refuse to hear the truth. And instead of the truth, they're going to turn aside unto fables. So how does that all relate to me? And how does that relate to the church goer, the church attendant in the 21st century America or any other country for that matter? How does that relate to us? Well, it relates to us in the sense that we are people just like the people Paul was talking about. Whether you are clergy or not, you are a part of the broader church community in America or in your country or in your state or in your community. And what we cannot allow ourselves to to become is the kind of people who say, I don't want to hear something because I don't want to hear it. And the fact that I don't want to hear it is the litmus test for what I will and will not hear. It has nothing to do with truth. Forget about relevance. Forget about, you know, healthy versus non-healthy. If I don't feel like hearing it, I will not hear it. Brothers and sisters, that is dangerous. It is dangerous, and we just really need to stay away from that kind of mindset. Furthermore, I cannot allow my community to become that sort of community. I have to stand up and resist that whenever I see it entering into my discourse community, my micro community, my broader community, because this is a problem for for the church, and I don't want to be a part of that. So how, you might say, is it going to become a problem? I, Carl, I just don't see it. I mean, I believe in a word and all that stuff. Well, I'm glad you asked. Here's how I think it could become an issue for us, especially in America. In America, we have a consumer culture and much worse than the consumer culture. We now have the entitlement culture. And I mean, we've always had it, but it is raging. It is a leviathan. It is a beast unlike any other I've ever seen in my short life. I mean, it's the level of entitlement everywhere is crazy. And I want you to pay attention to what happened in Timothy. They said, we're going to heap teachers to ourselves because we don't want to hear what this man or woman of God is saying. We want to hear what we want to hear. And here's how that relates to consumer culture. It puts the congregant in the place of the customer. It puts the congregant in the place of the consumer. And it says that you are here to get what you want, how you want it, and dressed and presented in the way that you want it to be presented. The essence of it and the like 
dressing of it, that is an issue. And it will lead to the kind of ungodliness that we see in Second Timothy. And so the first thing I want to say is that we have to get out of the consumer mindset when it comes to church. My brothers and sisters, you must be aware that you do not only come to church to be poured into. You do not only come to church so that you can receive the word. All that stuff is good and useful and healthy. And God wants it that way. But it is not an exclusive thing. You come to serve. You come to hear the truth and the truth will set you free. The Bible does not say the truth is going to make you feel good all the time. It doesn't say the truth is going to make you feel wonderful and it's going to set at ease all of your anxieties. As a matter of fact, before the truth set it right, it might mess some things up. The Bible says that the word is sharper than any two edged sword and it will divide asunder some things. Consumer culture cannot enter your mind when you start consuming the word of God. Now, this podcast, you want to consume it in your spare time. You want to use it as a sort of entertainment because you like to think about things. Maybe you like, you know, the topics we discuss here. That's wonderful. I'm happy. But I'm also not your pastor and I'm not preaching to you. And outside of the scripture I use, my opinions are not the word of God. So that's totally fine. However, when you sit in a God-established church and you listen to a God-ordained man of God preach the word or woman of God preach the word and you sit there deciding whether you like it or not and then making the subsequent decision on whether you're going to heed or to listen or not, you've crossed into what Paul was talking about. And I hope nobody has done this, but if you have, that this is just a warning that you need to come back from the edge. You need to come back from the abyss, come back from that place, because that's not where God would have you step out of the consumer mindset. You are not a customer. This is not Burger King. And when I say this, I mean church. I mean the kingdom. I mean the word of God. I mean the truth of God. I mean the anointing that he places on his men and women servants. This is not have it your way a la carte, you know, all you can eat buffet. This is not that. And if you're looking for that, then you're in the wrong place for that. And usually that's not the problem. The problem is, is not that we're in the wrong place, is that we're in the right place with the wrong mindset. And this is where we. So I'm going to give two ways in which I believe we can avoid seeing church as a product uh, or a service in the 21st century. The first way is very simply to serve. I must serve the people. I must serve the house. I must serve my fellow man and my fellow brothers and sisters in Christ. I must come to church. I must approach the Christian community, the kingdom of God, not as someone who is looking to be served, but someone who is looking to serve others. And it's not I'm not just serving with my hands, but I'm serving with my heart. I am not just doing something to say that I did something. I'm not just doing busy work. I'm not just trying to keep active. I'm not doing it because everywhere I go, like I just need to feel like I'm in the trenches and, you know, I'm just not this, I'm this type of person. All that stuff is well. However, when it comes to the kingdom, you want to be serving in a way where you feel that you are completing something that is worth everything. It is it is in your purpose or it is 
align with your purpose or it is something that you are passionate about or you're serving a community or a group of people or a demographic that means something to you for whatever reason, it must connect to the heart because if it does not, it's not going to be uh, sustained in a way that it would be if it were. And God is going to be pleased when you give cheerfully. And this is what we're talking about is giving. That's what service is. Andy Stanley in one of his messages a few years ago, uh, if I had the link, I would give it to you all. It was a great sermon. But he says Americans fall prey to the three S's when it comes to giving. And he was talking financially, but this is in every way, honestly. He said the first S is spontaneity. They give spontaneously. He said next they give sporadically. And if they don't do that, if they don't give spontaneously or sporadically, he said they give sparingly. And so you don't want to give spontaneously. You don't want to serve spontaneously. You don't want to be the person who says, oh, my goodness, I feel the spirit. The spirit is moving at this hour and I just feel a tugging in my heart. And I just the Lord is, you know, telling me to go pray for you. And now because he's doing that, I'll serve. <laughs> but. If he ain't hitting me like that, if it, if the wind of the God ain't blowing on me like that, then, you know, I'm just going to sit here and make sure, Pastor, you come in with something with the fire, because if you're not, then I'm bored and I'm leaving. That is the wrong attitude and the wrong spirit to have. You don't want to serve spontaneously. You don't want to tell, uh, you know, your church committee. You don't want to tell your small group. You don't want to tell any kind of Christian community that when you feel like it, or if you feel like it, or when you feel specially motivated, you might be there. That's very spontaneous, and you cannot be dependent upon. And the work of the Lord, the Bible says that we should always be abounding in the work of the Lord. And if I'm a spontaneous kind of person who moves only when the feeling hits, then I'm I'm not going to be a good servant, and that's not going to help me to resist the mindset that this is a product because during the intervening time when the wind of God not hitting me in a special and unique way, I'm going to be looking at the choir expecting the best, the preacher expecting the best and the ushers bet not sit me in a place. I don't want to sit. <laughs> so let's avoid spontaneity. Let's also avoid sporadic giving or serving. And it's similar to spontaneity, except it might not be with the same flair, but, Similarly, every now and then I serve. So, you know, I'm going to serve during the Christmas. Uh, I'm going to serve during Christmas time when they put on the Christmas play. I'm going to help the kids out because, you know, I like that. There's nothing wrong with that. You should do that. That's beautiful. But make sure that you do something else because Christmas, you know, we, we celebrate that, you know, in the way we celebrate it. You guys know what I mean. Once a year. And so while you might be busy in November and December and you might be actively serving, what are you going to do for the other 10 months? How are you going to give in those other 10 months? And you don't want to tell yourself it's OK. You don't want to tell yourself that I'm a servant. You don't want to tell yourself these things because of the Christmas pageant or the Christmas play. You want to make sure that on top of the Christmas play, because you're serving the kids in those play or whoever you're serving, maybe you're, you know, you're serving, you know, the teenagers or adults or whomever serve those same people in another way. So after Christmas is over, 
hey, let's do X, Y, or Z. Find a way to make it consistent. It's about consistency because we consistently need to keep these weights and the sins away from us because they do so easily beset us. And this particular one is pride because we don't want to come to church with the attitude that I'm here to be served. You lucky I'm here. So, you know, let's let's get this rolling. The last one is sparingly give all you have. And this goes back to what we said about the head and the heart or excuse me, the hands and the heart. If you're serving only with your hands and your heart is not connected, then there is a good chance that you're falling into at some time or another, not giving it all you have. That might be the whole of it. You might only be serving in a very, here's what I'm giving, be happy with it, lucky I'm serving, you know, (laughs) sort of like that might be the kind of service you're offering if you're giving sparingly. Because if you're giving sparingly, that means you're not giving all that you have. And I don't mean, you know, you're like quitting your job to like serve on the Christmas committee. I don't mean anything like that. I don't mean you're, you know, totally going out the way all of the time. But what I am saying is we should not be in a situation where our giving is capped at this very, very, very comfortable level. And there's nothing I'm going to do that makes me in the slightest inconvenience because that means the heart is not attached. If your heart is attached, if something is slightly inconvenienced, it ain't going to be an issue. You're going to work it out because I care about what I'm doing. And even though I got to spend $10 or even though I got to lose 10 minutes of sleep or maybe an hour of sleep for this or that day, I'm going to do it because it means something to me. So let's give in that way. Another way that we can step out of or resist stepping into seeing church, the kingdom or Christian community as a product is to be aware of and careful of the power of culture. Culture is everywhere. It is ubiquitous. We everywhere you see mankind, you see culture and like the people it reflects. Culture is imperfect and there's nothing to be done about that. It will always be imperfect. So this is not a suggestion to take a fine tooth comb to your culture and to do a full audit of it and see how it's failed in so many different ways. This is a suggestion rather for you to be weary of and careful of ways in which your culture threaten or even trespass biblical principles, the word of God, and just overall who the Lord wants you and I to be and who he wants us collectively to be. And so an example of this would be Joel Osteen, and I'm not throwing him out there because I don't like him. The opposite is true. But Joel Osteen, a few years ago, I was watching him on YouTube and the reporter or journalist said to him, hey, in this humongous church you have, I don't see any crosses. And in typical Joel, you know, Osteen temperament, you know, he kind of tilted the head and, you know, with a shy countenance said, you know, well, we really don't want to offend anyone. And the abuses that have been perpetuated with this symbol and just how this symbol kind of separates certain people from certain backgrounds and, you know, even the ignorance that, you know, people have of it. We don't want it to be the reason why people can't connect. People can't feel the love of Christ and all that good stuff. 
and I'm paraphrasing Joel at this point, but I want to use him as an example because what he did there is he showed a bit of his personal culture. And we all have our personal cultures. And perhaps it was the culture of his leadership team and his church. And this is not to say that everyone on his leadership team and at his church agrees with this, but just in general, it could be the culture. Here's where we need to be careful. In my opinion, what that possibly could threaten, just from the outside looking in, here's where that, here's what that could clearly threaten. That mindset, that line of reasoning that Joel gave in that interview. And by the way, I haven't seen a cross on camera anyway. What that shows is, in my opinion, how something so dear and near as far as symbols go, and I'm not saying symbols are the most important things, something so serious, something so central to the Christian faith is being relegated under the feelings and possible, the possible feelings really of people. So it shows that, okay, there's this symbol that just makes sense in this context. Also, there are bound to be people here who really connect with that symbol but we're not going to display that symbol specifically because we don't want to offend anyone. Now, for those of you who are familiar with Joel Osteen, it is quite on brand for him <laughs> to not want to offend anybody. That's kind of his thing, right? He's Mr. Nice Guy. And I'm not saying this pejoratively, like shout out to him. I do like him, but I'm using this as an example to speak of how that culture needs to be weary that that doesn't go too far. What do I mean go too far? Well, if the people there start realizing that he doesn't talk about how, you know, people need to know Christ because if they don't, they're not going to be able to get to heaven. Let's say someone brings that up to him at a Bible study and they say, hey, can I get into heaven if... I don't necessarily believe that Jesus is the son of God, something very central to the Christian faith. He and everyone, a part of that culture has to be careful and they have to unalign themselves at the point where it comes to, okay, well, we want to answer this question, but we don't want to say that you need to know Jesus because we don't want to offend because now that culture has been overextended and now what was a nice thing, now what was a cool thing has been, now, now it's trespassing against what is good and what is right and what is necessary in regards to the truth, the truth of the gospel and the truth of reality, which is that unless you recognize Jesus to be the son of God, you cannot be a Christian, your sins cannot be forgiven, and if your sins cannot be forgiven, then you cannot go to heaven. And no one wants to gleefully just throw that around. But let's say at a Bible study, he were asked that and he couldn't. And I'm, I think he would answer the question, but like, let's say he didn't, that's where it's like, okay, the culture has gone too far and I need to unalign myself with that.
going to my particular experience in the black church, which I've really been a part of all my life. And I will always be, I'm sure, a part of it. And black churches, our culture comes a lot or comes a a lot of our culture comes out of the broader culture of being black. Black people, we are a little bit ostentatious. We, we, We a little bit showy. We like to flex. And here's the thing. In some context, that really makes sense. Like if you graduate from high school or from college and you're just really happy that you graduated and you want to like post about it and you want to do what you do and you want to look nice and you get in dress because you're celebrating. That's wonderful. If it's your birthday and you want to have a tiara because you feeling you feeling yourself and you a lady. Let me just put that in there. <laughs> you know, have at it. Do your thing. And other cultures might think it's too much, but guess what? Maybe it's not enough, according to us, right? But in the case of the gospel, in the case of church, I have seen instances where people just took that too far. Where you straight in your flesh, I'm looking at a whole, as uh, my former pastor, Bishop Blue, used to say, a whole monkey show. You out here in just carnal waters. You got the microphone, you preaching, praying, singing, but you have went to the point where now you're making a mockery of how serious this thing is supposed to be. It ain't the spirit. The Lord ain't tell you to do that. You just out here because this is what you feel like the culture likes. So, you know, I came up here to read the scripture because someone else or someone called on me to do so. I came up here to do a welcome to the visitors but I'm preaching, praying, prophesying. No, no, <laughs> no. <laughs> it's not that we're not ready. You, you wasn't called to do that. So this is where I have to say as a part of the culture, I understand the power of that. And I, I rejoice at your graduation when you flexing and you taking TikTok videos. And I rejoice when, you know, my sister had on a tiara and she's celebrating. I rejoice at the hats that, you know, people got to basically open up both doors so the hat, so just the hat can fit through. Uh, some of y'all, some of y'all older uh, black church attendants, y'all know what I'm talking about. However, I have to be careful when I get into presence of people who take it too far. And I have to unalign myself at that point. So we have to be aware of and careful of the culture. To wrap up this episode, I want to say a quick word to everyone who is ministering in any capacity in a ministry context on a Tuesday night dinner group, Thursday night small group meeting to a congregation of 100 or to a Bible study uh, at your college. Any way, if there are two or more people that you serve, I want you to listen to me carefully when I say this, because it is quite it can be rather confusing uh, the dichotomy between serving the Lord and serving people, right? On the one hand, you have the will of the Lord, and sometimes the will of the people is on a totally different hand in a totally different state (laughs) and a totally different country because they're just not on the same page. Um, The will of the people is not always synonymous with the will of the Lord. As a matter of fact, in some places, it's scarcely the case. And so you might ask yourself, well, I'm called to serve people. 
So I have to make sure that I'm relevant as a preacher. I have to make sure that I'm relevant as a small group leader. I have to make sure that I am relevant to the people. I have to make sure that I am doing something that provides value for them. And I 100% agree with that. But pause for a moment because I want to say this, and this is very important. I mentioned earlier in the podcast, the celebrity of many pastors, T.D. Jakes, Joel Olstein, Joyce Meyer, Stephen Furtick, their celebrity is justified by people. In a sense, they owe their celebrity to people because if no one cared about Stephen Furtick's books, if no one cared about Elevation Worship's albums, then his celebrity would be lower. Same thing for all of them. But this is very important. Your celebrity is not your anointing and your celebrity is not your calling. And by celebrity, please don't under, please understand. I'm not saying that you have to be a celebrity. What I am saying is that your renown, your reputation, it might be, it might belong to the people in a sense, but the people have nothing to do with the calling which means that if you were called to preach to the people, you must preach and you must preach the word because it is the word that called you. And if you serve the people to the point where you're saying, I'm going to change the calling, you're in a very, very dangerous circumstance. The people cannot mess They cannot touch, they cannot alter what God has called you to do. If God has anointed you for a certain purpose, and I don't, please understand, I don't mean that, you know, can't nobody tell you nothing, you know, the Lord done called you to the masses, and now you're just going out, you know, with no leadership, no confirmation, no, I'm not, that's a whole nother podcast, we're not dealing with that today, but understand what I'm saying and the spirit in which I'm saying it. People have no, they have no dog in that fight. They have no standing on that ground. And the minute you give it to them, you are relinquishing something far more valuable in something that they will not be able to give back to you. If you are a Bible study, a small group leader, and you are called to instruct on the word and you're doing it and you're changing up the method to make it more effective. And you're, you know, you're, you're implementing strategies. That's a good thing. But when you start messing with the essence of what it is you're doing, when you start to say to yourself, the Bible is a little controversial right now. What I'm going to do is I'm going to stop the Bible because movies seem to be an easier topic. Culture seems to be an easier topic this seems or that seems to be a less fraught path, you have already absconded the most sacred thing. And you don't ever want to do that. You don't ever want to be pressured into doing that. And trust me, people will do what you let them do. (laughs) That is a truth for everyone listening. If you ain't never heard it, please let me be the first to tell you. People will do what you let them get away with. And so 
we cannot allow ourselves to let people have that kind of standing because now God is not going to be looking at them necessarily. Or when I stand before the judgment seat of Christ, he's certainly not going to call them up while I'm standing before him and blame them for me deciding to listen to them. So in closing, let a man examine himself, not just one time or two times, but in perpetuity. Let us always be examining what our values are, what our litmus test is for what we'll listen to versus what we won't listen to, and what areas of the culture that we have grown a little too ingratiated towards. And if they're not good, we need to take a few steps back. We need to perhaps remove ourselves from that level or that kind of behavior. This is what we need to do. The last thing I'll say is when Paul tells Timothy that in the last day they will not endure sound doctrine, I have a feeling that when the scripture says that they're going to heap to themselves teachers because they have itching ears, they're not going to have to go very far. Because if you have a whole community of people, a thousand, ten thousand, a hundred thousand of people who are on the same page, who want to hear the same thing, even if it weren't for the fact that somebody's going to be an opportunist, somebody's going to want the spotlight, even if that weren't a thing, they're easily going to be able to have their pick of the litter because we all think like this. So rather than this person who is preaching the true word preach, we'll just grab one of us. It'll be homegrown in a sense. Right. And I mean, that's just how I see it. And so I would caution all of us, especially when it comes to the culture point, to not get too close with things that are ungodly. And if they are not intrinsically ungodly, but the level at which they occur, and that's really that's really the difficult part, the level at which they're occurring or the context in which they're occurring is, then we got to say no to it. See you later. Bye bye. That won't do for me because I have a charge to keep and a God to glorify. that's going to be it for today's episode i'm your host carl and it's been a pleasure as always bringing you my thoughts around second timothy chapter 4 verse 3 listen i really really want to hear your thoughts please drop me a line at sundry thoughts podcast at gmail.com or like us on facebook actually and like us on facebook facebook is a great place for community and it'll give us a chance to bounce ideas off of each other Let me know how I can improve the podcast, anything you want to hear as far as topics go. Listen, I want this to be a conversation. So I look forward to hearing from you soon, and I will be back later this week.